Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Wednesday, December 21st, and this is People Every Day. Hey, you guys, Janine Rubenstein here with you. Today, we are bringing you our 2022 Royal Family Retrospective. So much ado about the Windsors this past year. And we're taking a look at how the monarchy's Christmas plans have changed since the passing of Queen Elizabeth. But first, let's jump into what's been making noise out there today. Rumor Willis is going to be a mom. The actress and singer made the announcement yesterday with a series of photos posted to Instagram. Rumor is seen posing with her baby bump and alongside boyfriend and father-to-be, Derek Richard Thomas. The What Lies Ahead star and her musician-producer Beau have been romantically linked since earlier this year. This new baby will make first-time grandparents out of her famous parents, Bruce Willis and her mom, Demi Moore. Moore shared her elation on social media with a caption that read, quote, entering my hot, kooky, unhinged grandma era and added, so happy for you, my love. Emma Hemming Willis, who is married to Bruce, also shared her excitement on Instagram, commenting, baby news is happy news. Congratulations, Rumor Willis and Derek Richard Thomas. We are elated over here. Congrats to Rumor and Derek and their entire family. Moving on to a story that we here at People have been reporting on for nearly two decades. Scott Peterson will not be granted a new trial for the 2002 murder of his pregnant wife, Lacey. As you may recall, Lacey Peterson was pregnant when she vanished on Christmas Eve 2002. Scott initially helped look for Lacey, but when it was revealed that he had been having an affair, he became the prime suspect. Four months later, Lacey's body was discovered in the San Francisco Bay, just a mile away from where her unborn baby body was found. Scott was convicted in 2005 on two counts of first-degree murder in the death of Lacey and their unborn child and was sentenced to death row. Then in 2020, Peterson scored two major legal victories. The first was when his death penalty sentence was overturned, and then a few months later, the California Supreme Court ruled that a lower court should take a second look at his case to determine whether his guilty verdict should be overturned. Last year, he was sentenced to life in prison, and his death sentence was vacated. Peterson's attorneys pushed for a new trial and claimed that a juror in the case had lied during jury selection when asked if she had ever been a victim of a crime. The juror said no, but now admits that she failed to disclose that she had obtained a restraining order in 2001 against her then-boyfriend's ex-girlfriend. She claimed that the woman was stalking and threatening her. The juror in question also neglected to mention that she had a fight with her ex-boyfriend that resulted in her arrest. So Peterson's defense team asserted that this juror intentionally lied on her questionnaire and that she may have been a pro-prosecution stealth juror. Yesterday, a San Mateo County Superior Court judge denied Peterson's bid for a new trial, meaning Peterson will remain in jail to serve life in prison without the possibility of parole. The judge shared that, quote, the court concludes that juror number seven's responses were not motivated by pre-existing or improper bias against petitioner, but instead were a combination of good faith, misunderstanding of the questions, and sloppiness in answering. 
Peterson's attorneys did not immediately return a call for a comment. Elon Musk is back in the news and apparently very aware of his public backlash for his handling of Twitter. Since Musk acquired the social media platform, there have been lots of changes from a mass exodus of employees to the user verification process. And more recently, Twitter changed user icons from circular to square. The billionaire's impact has been met with plenty of criticism, especially when he suspended the accounts of journalists who have made reports that Musk deemed to be unfavorable. And as you probably saw over the weekend, the proud businessman conducted a Twitter poll asking users if he should step down as head of Twitter and said that he, quote, would abide by the results of the poll. Well, the results are in, and 57.5% of people who voted voted for Musk to step down. After the poll closed, the Tesla co-founder tweeted, quote, I will resign as CEO as soon as I find someone foolish enough to take the job. After that, I will just run the software and servers teams. There is no word yet if Musk will follow through with these plans of finding a replacement to run Twitter or who that may be. And now, as promised, we are turning our attention to the royal family that we just can't get enough of and how after a year of so much transition and turmoil, they're switching up holiday plans at the palace. There's only four more sleeps until Christmas, and everyone is getting ready for the big day, including the royal family. Things will be different for them this year since it is the first Christmas without Queen Elizabeth. As we know, the history-making monarch died in September of this year, and the royals are anticipating that the holidays without her, quote, will be hard. That's what we've heard. People has the exclusive look into what this weekend will look like, and joining me now to discuss what we know is People's senior editor, Aaron Hill. Hey, Aaron. Welcome back. Hi, Janine. Thanks for having me back. Well, this weekend is going to be a big one for a few reasons, because it is the first time in two years the royal family will return to their normal holiday traditions. Things were put on hold due to the coronavirus pandemic, but they are back now. So, Erin, remind us what the royal family usually does for Christmas every year. Yeah, this is such a festive time for the royal family when they gather each each year at Sandringham, as you mentioned, the first time in a couple of years and the first time without the Queen. So they all gather at Sandringham, which is about an hour and a half north of London. They have this tradition dating back to Queen Victoria where they exchange gifts on Christmas Eve and the Queen was said to have loved giving gag gifts. So Harry gave her a shower cap one year. Princess Anne was said to have given Charles a leather toilet seat. So just gifts you would not expect the royal to give each other that they get a kick out of. Of course, their famous walk to church on Christmas morning is when we see all the royals and look at all the fashion and see the kids. Of course, George and Charlotte did their debut in 2019. Will we see Louis this year? Hopefully, they go back to Sandringham House for a big lunch of turkey and glazed ham. We hear from a royal chef and lots of roast potatoes and Brussels sprouts and Christmas pudding. So it's such a huge spread. And then they all gather in front of the TV to watch the monarchs address which for the past several decades has been the Queen's big Christmas speech. And this year will be King Charles' very first one. He'll likely reflect on the death of his mother, continuing the tradition of her, her broadcast. They gather around the television across the Commonwealth and watch this address where he just kind of recaps the year, looks forward to the next year. Now, I want to go back to some of these traditions, because for those of you who have seen that movie, Spencer, starring Kristen Stewart, (laughs) they like kind of depict this Christmas weekend. And one of the traditions 
in the movie at least, they get weighed before their big dinner to make sure that they eat enough and show respect for the queen and the chefs that they eat enough at Christmas dinner so they get weighed beforehand and weighed. Have you heard anything about that? I have not. I think this was something definitely fictionalized for the movie. It's the first I've heard of that. I can't imagine the queen making anybody (laughs) step on a scale before their big lunch. Okay, okay, okay. Queen Elizabeth, her not being there. How is that personally affecting the family, have we heard? People heard from a former palace staffer who told us that it's going to be really hard. The queen was all they knew, just like most of Britain. It's the first time it's really been so obvious at a huge event like Christmas where people are are so used to seeing her. And of course, the royal family, you know, used to having her lead their procession to church in the morning and then watching her address. So, you know, the first year is is very difficult as it is the first of everything that you notice after the loss of someone. We know that despite her absence, these longstanding traditions are so beloved by the family and they're going to be kept. We know that the queen really catered a lot to the children sitting around the tree and they open their stockings in the morning before they go on the big Christmas walk. We know that Queen Camilla will also play a big role in hosting the festivities for the first time. Um, Usually in years past, she's kind of left at one point to go celebrate the holidays with her own children and grandchildren, but that's all in the past now. She's very much a, a focal point in the family. We spoke to a royal biographer who said, you know, she can't have him hosting his first Christmas on his own. She'll be by his side the entire time. Oh. Well, which of the royal family members can we expect to see at Sandringham? I am taking a guess that Harry and Meghan won't be there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good guess. And um, yes, you're right. So the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are not expected to join the family for Christmas in the UK. Of course, this is coming amid their explosive Netflix docuseries, a lot of tension within the family. Of course, Charles and Camilla hosting. So they'll be there. Charles's siblings likely to be there. Anne, Andrew, Edward. William and Kate, of course, as the future of the monarchy, will have a big starring role in that Christmas walk. So yeah, it's going to be a a big, big celebration, of course, with the poignancy of the loss of the Queen and the jarring absence of Harry, Meghan, and their children. Well, this holiday is coming on the heels, as we have said, of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's Netflix docuseries. So on top of the difficulty of Queen Elizabeth not being there, Have we heard anything about how this is playing out over Christmas and if it'll be the topic of conversation over some of those puddings? Right. Certainly it will. The palace has not commented and said they won't be commenting on it. Now that remains to be seen if that, you know, mum's a word will still be the case when Harry's memoir comes out January 10th because it is due to be pretty explosive and him to really share some intimate details about his life growing up in the royal family. And so we spoke to a royal insider who said it's, the, whole, the tension between the family, it's not straightforward and clear-cut in some of the issues that Meghan and Harry have raised. They're very important, and both sides are recognizing that, and I think we're seeing that play out right mm. now. Of course, the racist incident at the palace and how the, the palace immediately responded to it. We're seeing a journalist in the UK who wrote scathing things about Meghan recently and, and how that was condemned and the reaction across the UK. And so there's just a lot of heat, heated tension right now at the moment. Yeah. So it's just going to definitely continue as we get closer to that, that memoir drop. Erin, it's always so great to have you on. Thank you for stopping by. And please have a happy, happy holiday. It's been so great to hear from you all year. Thanks for having me. Yes, happy new year and happy holidays. 
Well, we've got plenty more Royals coverage coming your way. After the break, we are joined by Michelle Tauber as we take a look back at all the ups and downs the royal family went through this year. From the Platinum Jubilee to the passing of the throne to all of the inner family turmoil, 2022 was a big year for the Windsor family. But first, we have to talk about the way Lana Del Rey went about promoting her next album. For those of you who have ever wanted to let your ex know that you're doing much better without them, you're going to want to hear this one. It's equal parts petty and amazing. So join us on the other side of the break for this one. We'll be right back. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back and we absolutely have to get into the shade being thrown by Lana Del Rey, honey. (laughs) You know her from her melancholy pop hits like Brooklyn Baby and Summertime Sadness. You can hear her featured on a track from Taylor Swift's latest album, Snow on the Beach. But Lana hasn't just been collaborating with Tay-Tay. She's been working on a new album that takes its name from her newest single called Did You Know There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard? Quite the mouthful. Love me until I love myself. There's a tunnel under ocean boulevard. The album is slated for a spring release next year, so fans won't have too much longer to wait. But with an album so close to release, this is typically the time when you'd expect to see some major publicity swirling around. But Lana went a different route. Del Rey revealed on Instagram that the only advertising she's doing for the new album is a billboard. Just one billboard. Oh, which happens to be located in her ex-boyfriend's hometown. Lana's post included a selfie of her behind the wheel of a car with the billboard in the background. The caption reads, There's only one and it's in Tulsa. Capped off with the skull and bones emoji. I mean, this alone feels like the premise of a Lana Del Rey song, right? The ex in question is believed to be Sean Larkin, but it doesn't seem to be too much of a question at this point. Get this. She also dropped her new track and the album announcement on December 7th, which happens to be Larkin's birthday. I mean, wow. (laughs) I don't know if this is a power move or just plain petty, but either way, I'm here for it. I mean, her marketing strategy appears to be working, right? Because now we're talking about it and now I need to know what is on this album. I guess we'll just have to wait until March 10th like everyone else. Even you, Sean Larkin. (laughs) 
2022 was a big year for the Royals, maybe the biggest. <laughs> there were new titles to acquire, a massive Netflix docuseries, and the morning of a history-making monarch, just to name a few things. We can't let this year close without looking back at some of the biggest headlines. So joining me now for this very regal look back is People's Editorial Director of Society and Culture, Michelle Tauber. Hey, Michelle, welcome back to the show. Hey, Janine. So the biggest headline from this year was, of course, Queen Elizabeth's passing. On September 8th, Britain's longest reigning monarch died at 96 years old after 70 incredible years on the throne. She was such an iconic fixture. I mean, just try to encapsulate what this meant for news this year. Right. It, it is hard to overstate the scope of the death of Queen Elizabeth, the promotion of the now King Charles into a role that had been occupied by his mother for basically most of modern contemporary life. Um, yeah. Most of us did not remember any era in which there was anyone other than Queen Elizabeth on this throne. And if you're if you're thinking like, well, who cares who's on the throne of England? So it's a figurehead situation and all of that. The fact is this family is the most famous family in the world even today. And so they do occupy quite a large amount of real estate in the public imagination, in the public consciousness. And Queen Elizabeth was the head of that. When a person lives to be 96 and has seen the vast amount of change, and she literally had a front row seat to history, the World War II, like London Blitz, and then serving in the UK military, and then the death of her father and the sudden thrusting of her onto the throne, and then all the way through the modern era, the Diana years, so when she died, that also really shook up, of course, not just the family in terms of moving the heirs to the throne up one spot, but also because mm -hmm. Meghan and Harry returned and things were so fraught, there was a much higher level of um, emotional intensity to that funeral. Well, let's move down that succession line. King Charles and Queen Consort Camilla, for me, at least, as a royal watcher, it felt understated because of the loss of the queen. <laughs> like, it yeah. still hasn't, like, fully resonated with me yet. But was it a moment? For the UK? It was what he had waited for. <laughs> I mean, he had waited <laughs> he had waited a very long time to ascend the throne to become monarch and king. And but I know what you're saying, Janine. I think that because he also had been, he was the longest serving Prince of Wales, which is heir to the male heir to the throne. And because he had been a fixture on the world stage for so long, it was a bit, I don't know if the word anticlimactic applies, but it was sort of like, he just sort of slid into that. It was kind of played out as expected, I would say. Got it, got it, got it. Well, William and Kate, going on down the line. Yeah. Um, they are now Prince and Princess of Wales, titles that were last used by the King and the late Princess Diana. William and Kate were also given the titles the Duke and Duchess of Cornwall, and it was a big year for them. They had their first trip to the U.S. since 2014. So let's talk about their 2022. Their first trip to the U.S. was fun. I was there. It was very cold. Um, it was Boston <laughs> in December. It was amazing that William ever wore a hat, but it was really fun to see them here. There was a lot of fun, I would say more behind the scenes than in public, mm, but a lot mm -hmm. of fun about the fact that they were at the place where the UK monarchy effectively, well, did end on United States shores. <laughs> so it was like, you yeah, know, yeah, this yeah. sort of funny, funny irony of having them in the birthplace of the American Revolution. That kind of humor, I thought, lightened the mood a bit. It was just fun. The People Royals team was there. And for us, it was really special to be able to observe a royal tour 
here because of course that's something that they they do in many times in commonwealth countries or they do obviously domestically in the UK but to see them here and to see them meeting with nonprofits with various children's groups i thought one of the highlights was seeing Kate at Harvard University, she was really asking some very uh, detailed questions about the work they're doing on early Mm. childhood research, which is, of course, her passion. And then the big event, Prince William's Earthshot Prize Awards, which were inspired by President John F. Kennedy's moonshot. That was his plan to get America to the moon, which he did. And there was a lot of optimism in that awards room. There was a lot of glamour uh, watching William and Kate up close. And Kate that night wore a, an emerald and diamond choker that had belonged to Diana. And, you know, anytime there's yeah. that kind of callback, it, it adds a whole additional layer. Definitely an exciting change for us to see them so close to home. Yeah, it was a great way for them to cap off a pretty tumultuous year, I would say. Let's head over to a place that might be the center of some of that tumult (laughs) that we're talking about, Montecito, California, and talk about Harry and Megan. These two were very busy in 2022, living their best lives. Megan dropped her podcast, Archetypes, on Spotify, which sought to, you know, challenge the stereotypes women are given. She had some amazing amazing guests on like Issa Rae, Mindy Kaling, her good friend Serena Williams. And as we know and just covered with you, they released their docuseries, Harry and Meghan, on Netflix and revealed a lot about their love story and their life in the royal family. So where do we start? Where do we start, Janine? I, I will say, you know, I did love from the from the first part of the documentary, I loved hearing about those early days of the courtship. I love the photos that they shared, seeing the mm-hmm. photo they took after their first date, where they're both really blissed out. I thought was a really um, intimate peek behind the curtain. It was really interesting hearing Megan talk about her first meeting with Kate, implying that Kate was rather cold and that there is a formality to this family that extends even behind mm. the scenes. And, you know, her painting this picture of being in ripped jeans and bare feet and, and trying to hug Kate and feeling it wasn't reciprocated was very fascinating. And then hearing Megan's mom, Doria Ragland, speak for the first time, her yes, Doria. Ashley, that was huge. We had seen Doria, you know, at the wedding and this very graceful presence at her daughter's side. But to hear her speak was, was really illuminating. The perspective that Harry brought really going there in terms of saying that there were planted stories and that those stories he felt were a result, planted stories against them, meant to sideline them and harm them, that he felt that was a very orchestrated campaign that in some way was reflected in interplay between the UK media and the institution that is the monarchy. You know, there were a lot of, as we discussed earlier, some very painful personal revelations, particularly regarding Meghan's miscarriage. Harry saying that he felt that the male legal case was a contributing factor there. Harry saying how much he hated himself for the way he responded to Megan's suicidal thoughts. The most concise way he put his estrangement from his family, which was to say when that Commonwealth service happened and they were all looking very, very, very distant from each other, that in fact, as cold as it looked is for him as cold as it felt. Oof. Before I lose you, we have to look forward to next year because it's not going to stop, right? Prince Harry and King Charles have some big, big things coming up for 2023. So just run that off for people, what to look forward to. We've got a lot coming up. Harry's memoir, which we know is called Spare, is coming out January 10th, 2023. That's right around the corner. He has said it will be telling his story with raw and unflinching 
honesty. Um, a lot of people Ooh. are asking. So if you were missing anything in the docuseries, right. thinking like, <laughs> why didn't they go deeper? It's going to be in spare. Right. Well, that's the question. A lot of people are saying, well, what's left to tell that isn't in the docuseries? And I'm, I'm thinking mm. a million things. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the small matter of King Charles's coronation which is happening on May 6th, which also happens to be Archie's birthday. And all eyes will, of course, be on whether Meghan and Harry are there for, you know, to watch Harry's father be crowned king. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's been a busy year covering the royals, and you have done it so wonderfully. So I appreciate you. I'm wishing you happy holidays. And Michelle, thank you so much. It's always so great to have you on. Thank you, and happy holidays, Janine. Well, last but not least, very few things in life are as humbling as having children (laughs) for a lot of reasons, especially when they air all of your personal secrets on national television. Thankfully, that hasn't happened to me, but it happened to somebody I know. Today, with Hoda and Jenna, host Jenna Bush Hager was surprised by a special guest yesterday as her nine-year-old daughter, Mila, ran out to her at the desk live on air. Well, co-host Hoda Kotb welcomed the surprise and used it as an opportunity to ask Mila some questions about her relationship with her mother. And Mila did not hold back. Are you exactly like your mom? No. No, you're different. How are you different, little missy? Because I'm better. (laughs) Pretty cute, right? Well, that was only the beginning of the truth bombs Mila lobbed at her mother. You know what I love the most about your mom? You You know when I love her the most, Mila? When she's laughing so hard that she can't catch her breath. Do you know that kind when she does that? Yeah, one time she was laughing in our living room and she peed her pants. (laughs) (laughs) And you changed your pajamas. (laughs) You did. Thank you, you Mila. Thank you so much. I mean, look, for a lot of moms... And just a lot of people out there, when you get older and, you know, you go through some things like giving birth or just, you know, aging gracefully, things change. So we're not here to shame Jenna. But I mean, can you imagine your kid just putting you on blast in front of your coworkers and, oh, I don't know, several million people? I mean, Hoda was absolutely loving seeing her co-host turn a new shade of red and managed to coax one last confession out of little Mila. Here, I think Hoda's trying to get the truth bombs out, but no more. Is that yes. the last one? <laughs> nope. Okay, just no, give no, me no. one little one. Just one tiny one. She never wears underwear. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay, goodbye! <laughs> and that is why you will not be hearing either of my children on this podcast. They also know too much and are also way too honest. Well, that is our show for today. Only two more episodes left for the year. And I can't believe it. I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow right here on People Every Day.